everybody, welcome back to Anna Gamer's Seasonal Sampler, the show where we tell you what we're watching this season of anime, which is the year of our anime, summer 2021. The year of our anime, alright. We're your, we're your hosts here, uh, once again, for the second episode of Seasonal Sampler. Uh, that is, of course, Inc., and I am Evan Minto, uh, the, the host of the Anna Gamer's podcast, in my case, and Old Takuno Radio, in Inc.'s case. So absent-minded from our age, or my age, I forgot to mention it. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's all right. That's why there's two of us here. <laughs> uh, so, so last time, last time we talked about the anime that we had checked out at the beginning of the spring season. And this time, unsurprisingly, we were talking about the anime that we're checking out at the beginning of the summer season. But because this is our second episode, we can now also recap what we watched last season before we get into the, the current one. Uh, and so this is where we the rubber hits the road and we find out what did we actually watch especially in my case what did i actually watch from all of the things that i said this is cool i think i'd like to watch this yeah how many shows actually withstood this uh, the test of time and patience yeah exactly in my case it was only two how many did you watch last season too many i burnt out uh, oh <laughs> it was like 12 what yeah I mean, like five of those oh, were for Taiku. Yeah. So, okay. you know, there was that. But then I was just watching way too much anyway. I can't even, I can't, there's no way I could fit 12 in. Like I struggle to, to watch one anime episode per day. That's like a, a thing I came up with where I was like, I'm going to watch one in the morning so that I don't kind of like forget about it and do something else, you know, after work or whatever. But but that that's seven a week. You know what I mean? I can't can't fit twelve in there. I would need to like double up. Well, see, I would I would hit like a couple episodes after work each day because I was mm. you know just so drained after work. So that's four days, two episodes each. But anyway, um, so if you want to hear about the the sports anime based stuff, uh, go over head over to Taiku Podcast. We've done episodes on Burning Kabaddi, uh, Farewell, My Dear Kramer, uh, Cestus the Roman Fighter. And something else, I'm sure, coming up soon. <laughs> All right, I'm not going to let you get away with just advertising another podcast you did, so you do have to give me a quick summary of which ones were good. Okay, Burning Comedy ended up being really good and just sort of introducing this really niche sport of basically what amounts to tackle tag. And it was very a very mediocre show in execution, but just learning about a new sport was kind of fun. Mm. Um, Farewell, my dear Kramer, which was done by the uh, Your Your Lie in April mangaka. Right. Um, that's legitimately entertaining. It just had some art issues that harken back to the original mangaka's style that I hated. Um, but otherwise, also hold on. We, yeah, but also I know I know I said quickly, but I I want to make sure that we address the net thing from that show. <laughs> yeah, everybody kind of looked impaled if they were on the opposite side of the fence. Uh, if they were looking in on a game and you saw a person on that opposite side, they always looked kind of impaled by the ropes. It was like a bad execution of a thing that a lot of anime does where like they want to show the full character art and not have everybody sliced up by the fence. But in this case, it was just done in such a way that it it made everyone seem it was like an optical illusion where it made their faces seem like they had somehow been extruded through the fence or something. Yeah. Like surgically implanted into yeah. the faces. <laughs> it was just not good. <laughs> it was distracting, I should say, to say the least. Yeah. 
Uh, so there's that. And then, then Cestus, the Roman fighter, uh, was just awful. Like, that is... It kind of looked bad from the art. You get used to the art, at least. But the whole thing is uh, this this Moe slave. Um, it was just this bashful Roman slave with a Japanese businessman mentality. And it was the worst combination of all factors in this story uh, that had no nothing worthwhile at all in the entire thing. And it was just fun to hate watch. I didn't watch any of those. But you did those watch... Those are all your sports anime, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You did watch one of the best shows of the season, though. Uh, yeah, I watched two pretty good ones. I enjoyed both of them. Um, so I watched... Oh, wait. Before I start talking about my stuff, I have to cut myself off there. I did say this on the Gamers podcast, but I will make sure to include it here as well. Uh, I just launched a uh, manga, a digital manga service called Azuki, A-Z-U-K-I, and uh, I'm, I'm one of the, the co-owners, I'm the marketing director of it, and that kind of stuff, which means I now have a pretty, pretty big conflict of interest when it comes to manga. And that conflict of interest does, in, in some cases, extend to anime because, you know, like we, we, have, we have series on Azuki that have anime adaptations or, or may have upcoming anime adaptations, things like that. So um, I just, you know, whatever, to take... To, just take that into account when you hear my opinions and, and know that I will sometimes, uh, I might sometimes kind of avoid talking about things or, or have to dance around them a little bit if they're related to any of my Azuki work. It's hard to be a reviewer and also <laughs> work in the industry. Hmm. Thankfully, the two that I watched last season do not have manga associated with them. So, or at least uh, not actually they might but anyway they're not based on manga Wait, uh, so one, i watched one of yours was you were you were starting or at least you had watched the first episode of to your eternity i'd like to know why you dropped it if uh if you're comfortable talking about that oh sure yeah i can talk about that to your eternity is on azuki <laughs> as it were yeah um so to your eternity I, I loved but i dropped it mostly because i also really loved the manga and i am uh behind on the manga so i was just like you know, I'll just read that instead of like watching the anime version of it. Um, I thought the anime was really good, but it, you know, when both are really good, I will just read the manga, you know? Cause I actually ended up dropping or no, I, I am still watching it, but I dropped it for a while and decided to repick it back up. Cause it wasn't the episodic anime I thought it was going to be. Uh, it turned out to have a lot of longer arcs with the same people. Right. And I was just like, ah, yeah, sort of a reluctant yeah, follow. But it's also, at least from what I've read in the manga, which is about three volumes or so, um, it those those arcs like shift significantly. Like they kind of um there there are big I just without spoiling, there are big changes in like the cast from arc to arc, uh, where basically like Fushi the main character is kind of like the only constant as far as I've seen in the first few volumes where, where he's kind of drifting through all these different stories, which I, I think is, is pretty neat. So it has a, it's similar in some ways to stuff like, I don't know, Jojo's or, um, or Alita, right? Like these, mm. these things that kind of, I mean, Jojo is even more disconnected because you usually don't have like a single character connecting all of them. Right. But, but Alita is like about this one character and then just, kind of changes genres and shifts locations and stuff pretty significantly over the course of the series. 
as opposed to something like One Piece that is like building up the cast over mm. the course of the series. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> uh, to your eternity is basically each uh, new chapter is who's going to die next. So, uh, well, yeah, can they take their I, I'm kind of not spoiling, <laughs> but yes. I mean, interestingly, one of the things to your eternity does is it builds the cast up by incorporating the cast into Fushi. Yes, which is kind of a neat concept. Well, that's the overall building of the the human, the human. You know, uh, right, human. right, right. But anyway, you were saying, yeah. So I uh, I did not keep watching that. I also. I mean, I wouldn't say I dropped it, right? So this is like on, if we're using the my anime list statuses, it's on hold, right? Uh, so there's a bunch that, that, that I consider on hold. Uh, to Your Eternity, Shadow's House, uh, 86, I could theoretically come back to and watch. Um, Vivi, uh, I, I thought was pretty neat, but just didn't have time for. Um, and then uh, the big one that I definitely want to finish maybe before the end of the year is Megalobox Nomad, which was also excellent. Mm. And I just, you know, didn't have time for everything and ended up putting that one down. Yeah, I ended up finishing Fruits Basket, the uh, Kobayashi uh, shorts, uh, Odd Taxi, uh, Zombieland Saga, the sequel, and Shadow's House, those Snow White notes, and Megalobox as well. Wow, it's a lot of stuff. I did finish Odd Taxi which is my anime of the season of the two I watched. Yes. And the other one that I finished was uh, 4S Dinazenon, the, uh, the Gridman universe series from Trigger. But you know what? One of my series doesn't really count because I could, I could put those Snow White notes on and not that I'd understand the, uh, what any of the characters were saying because that really doesn't matter. I just tuned in for the, uh, the, mm. the uh, Shamisen piece of pieces right the music yeah i just started playing background it's like oh cool music sequence we're good so what was your favorite last season uh odd taxi and um yeah that feels like i mean i only watched two but that was my favorite and you watched 12 and that came out on top for you yeah and like second second megalobox nomad was it was just a just superbly crafted uh sequel and uh the the opening sequence i i can play that that opening song like just on repeat. Yeah. So let's talk about odd taxi for a little bit before we, I, I probably want to mention some stuff about Dinazenon also before we go to the, uh, the current season, but sure. definitely we want to talk about odd taxi because we both watched it and loved it. Mm. Uh, that show is just, it's really unique is like one of the, the main things if I'm, you know, I will be trying to sell people on this for like years now. Right. <laughs> like <laughs> trying to, you know, give people the elevator pitch and it's, it's really not like a lot of other series. The The closest thing I could think of is, is Paranoia Agent, which I, I guess is an explicit influence on the series from what I've heard. Hmm. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, because it, it's kind of, you know, we think we described last season. It's just about like a taxi driver who's a walrus. Everybody's a talking animal. And it's this kind of strange ensemble piece where... It's about all of the passengers that he drives around. He's kind of this gruff taxi driver, but it turns out everybody is interconnected and they all come from these different walks of life, but they've got, they've got this sort of like paranoia agent, almost this like relay race thing where each of them is sort of passes a story baton to somebody else and creates this whole like network of characters. Yeah, but this feels so much more organic just because of, not only because of the mode of the taxi driver, because it's such a random element, but mm -hmm. um, because it's, it feels like an enclosed city. So it's not uncommon to run into the same people, you know, here and there, even like 
Even though like New York, you know, you never run into people, you know, yet I still manage to run into people I know in New York City. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So it, it feels about the same. And it's just done. I, I think the level of dry humor in it is what makes mm-hmm. it. Uh, it's just well, the, it's also the, the style of dialogue. I mean, exactly. I don't speak fluent Japanese or anything, but my sense is that the dialogue in that series is, is much more natural than a lot of anime dialogue. It's definitely not overhyped. Yeah, like, actually, that's that's also a case that I would say that I liked in um, in Dino Xenon, especially even more so than than Odd Taxi. But I'll, yeah. I'll get to that in a bit. Um, but yeah, like the I really love the the two comedians, the Monzai duo have this great style of. I mean, it's not maybe not natural. It's like a Monzai routine, right? But it's not something you hear. You don't hear that kind of delivery very often in 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 anime. You know. Mm-hmm. And that carries like, over. like you said, very dry. Like they're kind of like just just the little back and forth that you hear over the radio, and then then they become full characters who are drive in the taxi and everything. And I like how that really didn't affect most of the other plots either. Like they're sort of connected to other characters, but largely they're in there for the comedic relief, so to speak. And even the, the fact well, that they're comedians. Not not just that though. I mean, so I don't want to spoil the the ending here because uh, I you know I think we do want to sell people on watching this series, and there are some spoilers. There's a huge mm-hmm. two huge spoilers in the last episode. <laughs> Uh, but, but I really like that their story kind of, you know, they're not just there for comedic relief. It turns out there's a, a great dramatic arc between these two comedians. That's about like what they want from their, their life and their careers and, and how their, their friendship and their professional relationship develops over the course of the series. And, and kind of everybody has these little stories like that, Mm -hmm. that are kind of, that are connected in some way but are are also just fulfilling on their own as, as just these little stories of people's lives. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't mean to say it wasn't um, dramatic, because it is. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, compared to the main storyline, like the way it right. pops in and out of the taxi is like you're following this comedy duo, and it is comedic to a point because you are, you know, separating yourself from the main drama to go to this, uh, the friendship drama, and it's lighter I should say it wasn't a, a comedy thing. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a lighter drama side or a side. And uh, yeah, that's kind of made it uh, interesting for me along with all the other co- character development that you mentioned. Yeah. I, w- I would say one of the things that has, that I've seen some people be like, I don't know what's up with this, this show is like that. It, it does spend a lot of time with characters just sort of dryly doing this like weird comedy thing. Like, you know, like the main character, Otokawa is kind of, kind of tearing apart stuff that people say to him. He's got this very, very dry way of speaking and it just feels like nothing's happening sometimes. Right. It's just, just characters sitting in a taxi talking for five minutes, but what it, it, it sort of slowly builds on you. And, and now that we're like, now that it's over and we can look back on the whole thing, it, it really does turn into basically like a, like a crime drama mystery type thing. Uh, it just sneaks up on you in that regard, and it doesn't kind of appear like that at first. It just seems to be this kind of strange comedy, uh, but it it turns out to deal with some pretty heavy stuff, and and kind of takes on like heist elements by the end. Uh, it, it really, again, like it's a show that that will sneak up on you where you're like, whoa, wait, it's it's this kind of show. I didn't even realize that in the first three episodes. <laughs> It was funny because I was listening to the awesome cast who just put out an episode on this and they brought up the heist, as- heist 
aspect as well. Um, and uh, <laughs> just like after finishing that sentence, they're like, wait, there is a heist in it. This is a heist thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I loved it. And like I said, it delivers two huge twists in the last episode one that completely recontextualizes the entire show, which is incredible, <laughs> and another that uh, kind of gives you the final bow on the mystery uh, in a way that I and and I just like to its credit, I did not expect either one. They yeah. they kind of blindsided me in both cases. Yeah, I, I was very very grateful, and I can't wait to, for this to come out on home video so I could actually own it and you know yeah, it revisit looks, it. It looks great well. too. Yeah, it's it'll be nice to have on Blu-ray because it's got a really really nice kind of cartoony art style. Mm. Yeah, what what a delight! It's great when a show seems good at the beginning and then actually sticks the landing oh, like Odd Taxi yeah. does. <laughs> so, what about uh, SS Dynamon? Oh man, you want to give that one another go? <laughs> it's I f- totally forgot. Zenon. Uh, no, I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, so this is the kind of follow up to Gridman. It's not, I guess, it's a sequel, but it it's not. It has some continuity, but you know, all the main characters are basically not from Gridman. There's one character who shows up who is not so subtly. Hint, I wouldn't say hinted. It's 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 more obvious than hinting, but it's not said explicitly. Uh, is a character from Gridman. You see a little bit of flashbacks that connect them back to their their grid the Gridman version of the character. But it's basically a new story in a similar vein to Gridman where it is um, a uh, kind of average looking anime boy ends up uh, fighting kaiju in this case through a combining mecha instead of by transforming into like a tokusatsu hero, which was the case in Gridman. So it has a, it, it's similar in, in certain kind of like in, in a lot of ways to Gridman, I think. Right. So also like Gridman, it is actually a human drama that also has these these kaiju fighting scenes but a lot of it is about it's very introspective and it's about exploring all the you know the individual dramas of each of the characters each of you know the pilots of the 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 dinazenon combining robot uh, and it's it's a show that I, I don't like compared to to odd taxi right like I don't think it super came together uh, by the end it was there, there's, there's sort of, there are these moments where it has this emotional momentum and it's like, okay, yeah, this feels great, but I don't really know why anyone's doing anything right now. Mm-hmm. Like the, the villains have all of these scenes that feel like they're supposed to be kind of emotionally profound, but I kept just having question marks over my head. Like, did, did I miss an episode where we explained why they're doing any of this? They all just sort of say these things that seem to have a lot of import, but we never get... It's like the, it's kind of like we we don't get exposition, and I hate it when there's kind of over exposition. But this is a case where it's like, all right, maybe you went a little too subtle. Like, yeah. you just, I need a little bit more. Just give me the basics of like the the concrete reason why this is happening, so that I can connect that to like the emotional content of why these characters care about it. You know, why would you want to know what's happening, Evan? Yeah, it's it's weird because the the best parts of the show are the ones that are not tied into all of the kind of, you know, sci-fi lore stuff, which is where it, it under-explains to the point that it makes it hard to connect with any of the, the character arcs that are related to that. But the character arcs that are really good are the ones that are 
just about regular human kids dealing with their their personal traumas and stresses and things like the the two main characters have are two of the main cast there's the sort of main boy and main girl um who oh, i'm blanking on his name right now but her name is minami and uh you know they they both have some some kind of issues they're dealing with independently of the the fighting kaiju she in particular it's like uh, i think some of this is maybe revealed a couple episodes in but it's like her sister died and it was probably a suicide and she is kind of you know never totally understood why and, and has a bunch of hang-ups about this right so it's this kind of she's trying to work through that uh and he is kind of interested in her you know kind of implied like yeah maybe this is you know this is uh, seems like a setup for a romance um but it goes in a direction that i think is not not kind of wish fulfillment-y, right? Uh, it, and it's actually about them growing closer in a really authentic way um, mm. and working through, you know, those those issues that she has around her sister's death uh, and, and his his issues where there's some kind of stuff about his relationship with his, his mom. Uh, and it's like, actually, that on its own is a great show. <laughs> uh, you know, like that stuff is contextualized really well and it's where the show kind of ends, you know, that, that there's that idea of like, uh, I don't know, the, 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 the key of the song is often the, the last chord it ends on. Right. Uh, and it's kind of, there's kind of that going on in here where it's like robots and kaiju and whatever, but it kind of ends on just that really basic human story. And that, that feels like the best part of the show. That's like the strongest footing it has. Hmm. Uh, this kind of makes me just want Amemia to direct that and like kind of not bother with all the <laughs> tokusatsu <laughs> stuff. I mean, the, the action scenes are great. I just feel like they don't connect very well right. in, in this show. They're, they're cool, but they're this like thing that's pasted onto a story that's actually just pretty good without them. I wonder if anyone's ever actually done that, like with just have Gundam without the Gundam, like at all. Just have all well, the, yeah. Just, I mean, I just talked about Hathaway's Flash, which only has a little bit of actual mobile seat stuff and is mostly just a political thriller. Yeah. So, and also, actually, that's uh, not all of it, but a lot of the Gundam: The Origin OVAs is right. is mostly kind of human action and spy stuff, and you know, it only has a bit of mobile suit content, at least in the early ones. Yeah, anyway, I thought it was pretty good overall. The Like I said, the dialogue, super naturalistic. It's the closest thing I've seen probably ever to only yesterday in terms of characters speaking in a, a, a very, very natural way with a lot of like slang and, and little kind of ticks and things. Uh, it's not quite as as noticeable as only yesterday, but it's it if you kind of listen to the Japanese, it does not sound like regular anime dialogue, which is super cool. So on to this season. Yeah, we probably went a little long there, but I, I had a lot of thoughts about those two. <laughs> there were a couple of good shows. Good shows are always worth talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so I was talking for a bunch there, and you watched more anime than I did at the beginning of this season, so why don't you kick us off? All right, uh, so let's say first Kobayashi is back, um, and so far it's still a lot of fun. Um, so check that in it's more of the same That's, there's okay so when you say kobayashi we're talking of course about miss kobayashi's Kobe. dragon maid correct uh total 
title adds an S this season, I guess, for sequel mm-hmm. or two, or I don't know. Uh, this season two? Not, this isn't season three, right? I, I'm, I haven't kept track of season, how far in the show is. Season two. Uh, they okay. did the shorts last season, mm. uh, but I don't think that counts towards it. Um, but anyway, it's, it's you know, one, one new dragon is added so far, um, and it's just, uh, you know, more of the same. And it's just honestly good to see that sort of fun relationship building uh unspoken yuri uh mm-hmm. presentation present in uh and representative in anime uh for like a huge audience that's tuned into this thing uh, is this uh is this kyoani's first tv series since the i think it might be attack or am i yeah i think, I they, think it might be because i saw a lot of people the, on twitter I, they put something else out before but i think this might be the first tv series yeah but uh let's see there's I, I, I don't even know. I, I'm a huge folklore uh, person, so I started watching Peach Boy Riverside. What is uh, that about? It's I didn't ba- actually give it a try. It's basically, what if Momotaro wasn't a singular person, but an entire race of people? Um, hmm, so, oh, all right. So okay. w- what if one peach didn't float down the river? What if it was a whole, you know tree full of peaches that float down the river um and of course Momotaro is more of a symbol than a person exactly uh but these symbols wear uh very tight leather pants and have super magical powers and uh they're battling oni across the world uh, and all right okay. it's, it, it's very much like campione uh and it's kind of horrible but it is it is directed uh, or it is uh, from the same mangaka as Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. So oh, you, it, there's okay. a lot of cute interactions between the characters, and there's uh, uh, oddly enough uh, a lot of the same like, oh hey, this is a different uh, species, and you have your main protagonist who's human. I think she she partners with a with a hare uh, rabbit person thing, uh, and they go on this uh, quest together. You know, so there's a lot of familiar humor and a lot of the interactions seem uh, sort of on the same level as Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, but uh, it's not quite as fawny. Sounds like I'm not going to watch that, though. Yeah, I don't imagine you enjoying that in the slightest. (laughs) Um, Higurashi's second arc is up. Uh, The SOTU as opposed to the gal. Um, And that's I still haven't actually watched any of it, but I am going to watch all of it because it's Higurashi and I love that property. There's Remain, which is the water polo sports anime. Oh yeah. How is that? It's interesting, A, because I realized I don't know a damn thing about water polo anyway, so it'll be Yeah, kind they're of, kind of running out of sports, I feel like. Still haven't gotten the curling anime. There's no bowling anime. There's no cricket oh, anime. Oh there's definitely I mean, come on. Wait, those definitely oh there's manga for those. There may yeah. not be anime series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but the, the, the fun twist with the, uh, the remain that's, um, uh, the, it's not a, a character in a club who now has to, you know, build up skills to be worthy of being in that club. It's a person who was at like the top of their game, got into a car accident and now has dum, 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 amnesia. So now oh, he has to no. relearn his skills <laughs> to get at the top of the uh. game. <laughs> But uh, it's 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 beautifully animated uh, so far, and the, the how char- are the boys? That's the question, right? This is a sports boys. They're anime, sports right? boys, uh, very yeah. very sports boys, and they've they they've got the uh, the free bodies 
Um, okay. Yeah. So, so we're good in that department. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's very pretty. Bishonified, you know. Um, are you watching Life Lessons with Uramichi Oni-san? Just watched it today, right before the podcast. Um, first episode of, yeah, Uramichi Oni-san. Um, yeah, I wasn't, like, I, I, I think it's, I kind of liked it for meme potentially. I kind of watched it because people were talking about the, you know, people were posting screen caps of it. Uh, I, it felt like it was kind of the same joke over and over. It's just like he's a kind of scary dude. He's kind of, he's kind of, he's depressed and he's like, you know, putting it on everyone else. I guess we didn't describe what this is about. He's a, uh, Udomichi Onisan is a host of like a children's TV show where he's, you know, he's the kind of camp counselor-y guy who's like talking to all the kids. Specifically and, a failed uh, gymnast. Right, I think, right, and right, he's right. teaching the phys ed portion of it. And he is uh depressed and like he's 31 years old and he's depressed you know like all of us and he is uh he he's just giving them life lessons that are not uh not (laughs) nice you know not not positive exactly but it's kind of the same joke every time it's just like he says something inappropriate right and then everybody has this kind of awkward pause and is like okay dude I like it because they, uh, well, hey, I like it because it's, it's very much, uh, my generation sort of humor, uh, mm. because just, you know, the, the futility of it all, uh, <laughs> um, just that, just how, what depths that sinks to every time. And you're, you're totally on point that it's one joke, but I love how many variations they can get going on that, especially when they have all sorts of one note characters that interact in different ways. And mm-hmm. uh, they can sort of build up the layers on those jokes in different sandwiches, if you will. Um, but uh, yeah, every time I'm just dying laughing at one particular, the way one particular joke lands. But I've, I've seen people call this out. Oh, this is millennial humor. Oh, this is this humor. I'm like, no, no, it's just it's just the dread you face going into a job day <laughs> after day when you right. grow up. That's it. Like it's, it's being not a generational. adult. Exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, I don't think it's a specific <laughs> generation. What else we got? I so everything. I don't have anything I'm watching that you're not also watching. We were talking about this before the show. My list is a subset, so we're basically just going down Inks list, and I'm chiming in when I have something I also watched. Okay, so uh, let me get a couple more. I'm only watching. I think I watched Eden that that dropped on Netflix. Like I forgot. I forgot about all the Netflix stuff. I didn't watch that yet. Eden looked cool from what I saw. Is that the Oh, I'm. I might be getting multiple shows confused. Eden is the one with the the two robots and the little girl. Yes, yeah. and it looked it looked really pretty, and it had some very good emotional points on it. But what what the show is basically about is a human is discovered in this world of robots, and the robots decide are sort of awakened by the human speech, and now recognize a need to take care of it. But at the same time humans are considered like the worst things on the planet and should be eradicated. And um, these robots, despite their programming, decide to raise and care for it. Um, And you find out, you know, why the world is the way that it is. And there's a very bad twist that you see coming like a million miles away. But uh, my main problem with this was how human the robots were to begin with. And how the the sort of false steps the writing took to get them to be so. Uh, but aside oh, I from that, I know what you mean. I mean that's a common thing. Yeah. Like 
I, I really prefer it when writing about robots kind of takes seriously the idea that, that robots would, you know, they would be, have like some fundamental differences with humans, right? So I, I don't like it when it's just they're humans, but they're drawn like robots. Like right. I like there to be something that makes them kind of operate differently. I think Pluto does a good job with this where they're like, they're very human, but they have these little aspects that make them kind of different, right? Yeah. Uh, that yeah. give them a different experience with life or whatever. So yeah, that was I, it's it's definitely worth a watch. It's four episodes long, so you're not wasting much with it, and it's a good warm story. Um, it's just you know, kind of eh. I was I was really hoping for something better. Uh, it was going to the do. the art looked good in it. That was one of the things I was looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, if if you enjoy what you've seen of the art, I can guarantee you you'll enjoy it the entire way through because it's very very solid in that or very consistent in that respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's. The second season of Beastars. Yeah, also on Netflix, and I haven't checked it out yet. Uh, I th- I hated the ending. Um, did not like the last two episodes. I, it was just something, some ways they work uh, how the main character is or comes into his role in the season and why. It just seems a little ham fisted, but, uh, you know, it was, it was still more the characters you love and you're watching them through this world, so. Uh, you know, still there, but word words bubble up like soda pop, which just came out two days ago. It's phenomenal. What is this? I don't think I've heard about this at all. This is a Daisaito uh, script Uh-oh. produced slash. Produced, maybe that's good. <laughs> uh, directed by the guy who did your lie in April. Uh, and it's all about uh, this one girl who wants to sort of, be a, an influencer on this social media platform by pointing out, oh, what's cute? And it's uh, sort of this high energy thing, but she's just gotten braces and she has buck teeth and she's sort of dealing with, you know, being different coming up, uh, you know, as an adolescent. And a boy who's really uh, focused on haiku and... Um, Uh-oh. Yeah. Ink no. alert, ink alert. <laughs> uh, but he hates, like... He hates the sound of his own voice, so he's always wearing headphones to block out uh, extra noise, which kind of is kind of nice. Uh, forces his focus on the world around him, uh, you know, visually. But uh, it's uh, they run into each other, and the relationship begins to develop. But it is it is just warm, gushy ink material because I was I was crying like three times during this thing, and it's it's. I don't think it's too outside of. It doesn't do anything special, but it does everything it does very well. And uh, specifically in terms of the haiku, there is one that if you if you are adept at reading haiku, um, you will just melt the first time it's read. And it comes back uh, in a very potent way at the end. Dang. All right. I might give that a try. That sounds pretty cute. It also looks kind of like this blend between a Masaki Uwasa joint and... Um, like, sort of like if Misaki Uwasa animated uh, Garden of Words, sort of a interesting. A yeah. Okay. I don't know exactly how to piece those together because I feel like they're very, very opposite on the spectrum from each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I couldn't. My that's where my head went. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you watch uh, Aquatope on the White Sand? Whatever the I forget where the articles go in that 
title. But how could I how could I uh, pass up something with the subheading of two girls met in the ruins of a damaged dream? I think I missed that when I watched <laughs> it. Uh, so this is the new PA Works joint that is about. Uh, as, as usual, I think for PA works, it's like, well, we got some cute girls doing things in a highly specific, highly researched location in Japan, <laughs> right? Like that's kind of what PA works does a lot of. Uh, so in this case, they are at an aquarium in Okinawa. Uh, and I, I thought the first episode was pretty good. I, I haven't watched one of these kinds of PA work shows in, in a couple of years. I don't tend to keep up with them, but uh, the I like the lead up to the two characters meeting and like it just has a good it has a good pacing to like take you to the the hook for the the series which you kind of know is coming you know but mm. but it you you see both characters in parallel and you kind of wait the whole episode to see them finally meet up and it's like a girl who's leaving Tokyo after quitting her idol like her attempted idol career and then another girl who uh, works out, I guess is revealed spoiler for episode one that she's, the, I guess the director is confusing anime logic. She's like a teenage girl. Who's the director of the aquarium <laughs> or something. I think in episode two, you learn that like her grandfather's the actual director, but he's away for like a piece and uh, oh, she's just okay, sort of okay. filling in as director. Still. I mean, not you yeah. know, like a high school girl is not going to actually <laughs> be the director. There's a lot of paperwork and <laughs> a lot of things that a high school girl is not going to be doing. Uh, also, she's like not legally an adult. There's various reasons why that wouldn't work. Evan, you watch uh, anime, you know, high school girls do everything. That's right. They control right. the world. But yeah, it's basically this girl who's, who's, I think, very, very realistically depicted with a lot of kind of anxiety and depression about her, uh, her sort of failed idol career. Uh, there's a great scene where it's like her talking to her family to her mom right about like coming home and it's this sort of shame about you know needing needing to come home and and not having made it in the big city uh that that kind of stuff i thought was very nicely depicted uh you know what it brought me back to was yuri in the bathroom stall if for uh yuri on ice the the first yeah time he loses that main competition yeah Mm mm-hmm yeah, because I mean, Yuri on Ice has has a similar kind of vibe going on around like him working through, <laughs> you know, failing and and coming home and and having support from people, but then still feeling like, you know, you're being pitied for failing, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, a nice mixture of folklore and pop culture. Uh, That's true. Just, it does have a folklore thing going on. Yeah, this is and as far as I think, I've only seen two episodes so far. Um, but it has this little local god, sort of like, um, I forget her name, but from Sweetness and Lightning, the little girl. Yeah, kind of looks like her. <laughs> yeah, but like Islander version. Um, she's just going around eating her, her tributes of uh, fish heads and doesn't really come into the story yet. She's just there. So, you know, something magical is going to start to happen. I did like that in the first episode. Like you just see her around, like in the background of shots, just for you know for a couple seconds, it, and it's not addressed. It's just kind of there. Yeah, which is a nice little subtle setup. So I'm I'm looking forward to more of it. Yeah, for sure. Those I, I don't I don't think I will watch that this season, but it's the sort of thing that I watched and said that looks pretty good. If I had time, I would watch that. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think I've only got one more that I could actually talk at length about. All right, then go ahead. Okay, so uh, I, Tushima, uh, don't know if I'm pronouncing yeah. that correctly. Tsushima, Tsushima, same, same as the name of the island that uh, most, most people in the U.S. will now know as being the, the location for Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, that's <clears throat> currently airing on, uh, or be, being posted to YouTube, uh, with official, uh, subtitles. Uh, and I think that's up to episode three. It's a short, and it's just basically about this cat who comes to live at an old man's apartment and, uh, or old woman's apartment, maybe, I don't know. Um, doesn't really matter. Old person's apartment. And it's just cats being awful because cats are awful. So. I enjoy this short a great bit. Oh, it's by the it's by the people who do uh, Pop Team Epic or one of them. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. I think I saw an article about that. That it's uh, it's the director from Pop Team Epic, but is it Kamikaze Doga or is it um, Space Cat Company, his studio? That's what I, I'm sure about. I want to say Doga sounds familiar. That's cool. I think it's the director Junaoki. I think if I'm getting that name right, uh, the director of Pop Team Epic, and he has a studio called Space Cat Company that also, like, basically co-produced Pop Team Epic with with Kamikaze Doga. All right, so the two more from me that you also watched an episode of. Let's see. First up, let's talk about Kageki Shoujo. You watched that, right? Mm. I had I had uh, I knew it was kind of inspired by Takarazuka, the um, all female theater troupe that's very famous uh, based out of Takurazuka in Japan near Osaka. Um, and I, what I didn't realize is it's like very, very literally based on that. And it's, it's about girls going to a Takurazuka school to, you know, try out to be, to be stars in the, the review. But uh, funnily enough, they don't say Takarazuka in it. They it's like a fake thing. I forget the name of it, but it's like a, a made up name, right? For the the stand in for the for the review. McDonald's, yeah, yeah. It's the McDonald's of Takarazuka. But they do name drop Rose of Versailles, uh, and I haven't looked into why exactly that is. I don't know if it's the same publisher or something, and so they have the right to to say Rose of Versailles. But Rose of Versailles is one of the famous productions of of the Takarazuka review so it's this funny thing where you get like the whack donald's but they still say big mac or something you know the mcrib right <laughs> right because <laughs> like literally one of the characters wants to play oscar in the rose of versailles adaptation so it's kind of cool to just have it right there in the text and not have it be like the bows of versailles <laughs> like you know like a made-up name um, yeah, and it's it was. I thought this was really cute. Uh, I I did think the production was a little bit unimpressive for what it could have been. Like I was kind of hoping it would just look a, a little better. It kind of makes me want to read the manga because the that's, production is just very by the numbers. Feels like yeah, that's one of the things I actually thought, I thought maybe it was just going for a, a direct from the manga or really true to the manga uh, feel. But uh, I was just listening to Screen Tone Club, uh, which is uh, co-hosted by uh, former Anik Gamers uh, contributor Ed, Elliot Page and uh, Andy Daly. And they, uh, they said it actually combines the prequel, uh, prequel series or prequel novel, I can't remember, uh, and the first volume of the uh, 
series from which huh. this anime adapts, and it sort of combines everything into one, uh, which evidently, according to them, is uh, beneficial because they don't really explain much about the Academy to start with uh, in the first volume. So having that prequel uh, sort of uh, information laid out for you at the beginning uh, is a little more natural in the anime. Yeah, I think like the the thing that makes this really charming in the first episode is the the like two kind of main characters. A couple of the, ma- the major characters that you get introduced to, I, I think just have a lot of, a lot of charm already. The main character I really appreciate that she's, um, I guess there's just kind of two, but the, the main kind of perspective character in episode one, who's the girl with the, the blue hair. It, oh, I, I, another I, failed, another failed idol too. That's right. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, she's not a failed idol. She's a successful idol, right. Who, who leaves because to, she, yeah. because, <laughs> because she's like, not willing to be a doormat for creepy fans. I, I really appreciate yeah. the angle here of like her whole thing is she's got dudes creeping on her all the time and she hates men because of it. And it's like, yeah, I mean, okay, <laughs> that's fair. That's a failure of an idols are supposed to be there for those failures of men who are fans right, right, to right. be <laughs> doted upon. Yeah. So, so she screwed up because she like got mad at somebody for being a creep to her. And so she got, fired got graduated from her idol job uh yeah i i I liked that as like a and it seems like she's there's obviously like a lot of room for her to grow she's like suppressing her emotions right uh and then just a great foil to her is like the goofy uh sasada or whatever sarasa i think it's sarasa is her name Mm. who's like the super tall very genki kind of obnoxiously energetic girl uh, there's like the very funny scene at the end where she's texting all of her family members individually and she's, right. she's walking and she keeps stopping like, oh, let me text this guy. Oh, I forgot about him. Let me text. Him. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed her energy much more in this than I did the other blonde in Shadow's house. Um, I don't know why. I, mm. I just appreciated the energy more here. Uh, but yeah, I, I found her delightful uh, in the fact that she's also flaunting all these rules or doesn't really right. care. And, you know, that's going to come back. And she's to like such, she also, such a good foil to the the main character, right? Like oh, yeah. it's such an odd couple thing, right? They get paired up and she's there's a lot of good comedy with the main character being like, oh, no, we're roommates because, uh, of course, they're roommates. And she like immediately walks back down to the front office like, can I change my room? <laughs> She she also is the first to drag uh, the blonde haired girl to the the tree of failure, or the mm-hmm. blonde haired girl is the one to drag the uh, former idol to the tree of failure, when, under which if you stand at the opening ceremonies, you're doomed never to become the star. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's very- definitely a great celebration of that that whole world, right? Of of you know per- performance in the stage and and you know the. Tying that into, I, I think it is a shoujo manga, but I could be wrong. I mean, it it definitely has the vibe of a shoujo manga. Um, I want to I want to check that because there's this stuff can get weird where like you think it is right, but then it's actually a seinen manga. So Kageki Shoujo is is a uh, shoujo manga in uh, in Melody. It's the magazine. So yeah, I just uh, I like uh, I like like having some shojo that's that's like doing doing this kind of stuff, right? That's that's talking about Takarazuka and and theater, um, and there's definitely a, a long history of that. But I feel like it's been a while since we got shojo manga that was explicitly doing that. Um, mm. Though I guess 
I guess review Starlight is kind of in a similar vein. That's the easiest recent comparison to it. Yeah, that was very like Ikuhara influence, though. This is pretty mm-hmm, much mm-hmm. straight shoujo. Yeah, yeah. So I enjoyed that. I, I might like to keep watching more of it. But again, I mean, the manga is out in English, so I might just read the manga instead. And then last up, the one that I was most interested in, and then I'm it's not totally sure where it's going, but that's kind of a good thing. So it's probably top of my list right now is Sunny Boy. You also watched Sunny Boy, right? Oh, yeah. What did you think of it? I was super impressed. Uh, I did not know what this was. I didn't. I remember watching a pro- promotional video for it probably when it was first announced, and I had forgotten, other than the fact that I meant to watch this whenever it came out, that whatever it was about. And uh, honestly, the the visual and the narrative choices, I was just in it from like scene one. Um, just uh, this is all about a, a school that has been trans or extracted from the world around it basically is existing in this void and all of a sudden hmm? it is the drifting classroom is what it is i mean it's literally (laughs) almost (laughs) to the point that i i think they kind of reference that at some point in it like they say something in the english at least about drifting and it's like yeah i mean this is just the drifting classroom yeah um but i mean i i i I don't know anything about that either i know the title uh i've never read it or I don't know if there's any adaptation of it uh, other, other than this. <laughs> but, well, yeah, uh, there's uh, actually, I'm not sure about it. There might've been, an, there must've been an anime adaptation. There's been multiple live action adaptations, including a 1995 U S low budget U S adaptation of drifting classroom <laughs> called drifting school. <laughs> but uh, yeah, kids suddenly have superpowers and they basically just have to deal with, you know, creating a societal structure to make it through. Uh, right. this odd situation yeah so those themes are very similar to drifting classroom but the actual like details of it are you know diverge pretty widely from that story and then i'm not sure like the first episode is basically a drifting classroom thing but it ends with a very interesting twist that i'm curious to see kind of what comes of that uh, episode two just came out so i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna watch that but yeah, this is, I mean, the, the staff on this is pretty stacked. It's directed by Shingo Natsume, and, and it's an original anime, so we don't really know where it's going. Um, and the character design is Hisashi Eguchi, who's most well-known for Stop Peabody-kun, which it appears in the show. Did you notice that? No. Yeah, uh, a character is reading uh, pretty early on. Like, they, they open, they're reading a manga, and it is Stop Peabody-kun. <laughs> <laughs> which is like the the famous, uh, I believe, I could get this wrong. Somebody might correct me. I believe Stop Peabody-kun is about a cross-dressing character. I'm not sure if they're like trans. I mean, I think at the time, uh, the manga was definitely not using the <laughs> the accurate terminology, but I, I believe it's, it might be a cross-dressing character. Um, yeah, and Iguchi and has this uh, this really, really great character design style, like very cute, very distinctive um and i think it, it mostly translates well into the anime and the i love the look of this thing it's very kind of flattened i think almost you could say it, it has some similarities with like some of yuasa's work in the sense of being you know a lot of kind of flat bright colors i was thinking more rotoscoped but no. uh, like it has that appearance i don't think it was rotoscoped but it has no, the no. same appearance of like uh flowers of evil not with with more detail um 
because I know people will instantly get revolted over that. Um, but uh, it's not it's not rotoscope, but I think it just has a focus on. Or I don't think it is at least, but I think it just has a focus on character animation that that I quite like. Yeah, and I think that's part of the thing of like the simplified lines and colors is to and, and shadows also. I think it has a, a somewhat reduced number of shadows, and that's to make it so that. You, the animators can spend their time focusing on like really nice character animation and, you know, well-observed human motion. Mm. Yeah. It's uh it's, it's neat. It's kind of uh, one of those shows where you don't, it's like a mystery, but you don't know what the mystery is. It's just sort of what is going on. <laughs> and like there's superpowers involved. There's, there's some, some comedy. Definitely. There's going to be some, conflict between all these kids who have been transported to somewhere um and yeah i just i like i like something like this where i i don't know what to expect that was the case with with uh especially odd taxi last season right Mm. and i like how much how much uh how many risks they're willing to take at least with the visual presentation Mm -hmm. because they're with some of these superpowers they'll be breaking up like reality into fragments and that's true when when that shuffles around the screen and not only the screen because you can you know just hard line separate everything and sure but no these are like three-dimensional separations and there's spaces and gaps and you can feel the width of uh the screen if that makes any sense uh or the depth of the screen uh, sort of like it's a piece of broken glass that has been shattered and p- pieces are uh, more towards or away from you. Uh, and I love that that was pretty much solidified my my love for this. Definitely looking forward to that. So that's that's top of my list. If I'm going to keep up with anything, it's probably Sunny Boy, if only because, you know, just always happy to support an original anime where, mm. you know, the staff is not constrained by an adaptation and also they can genuinely play around with twists and expectations and things in a way where the audience does not know what's coming. Like nobody knows, but them. And I am watching one more, uh, that no one else should probably watch. I shouldn't probably be watching it. Um, it's the Duke of death and his maid, which just looked horrible as a concept thing. It's just, you know, a busty maid being overly, overly amorously, inclined towards her uh employer but this per the her employer is a a kid who is the touch of death he's been cursed by a witch and everything he touches dies um so you know she's constantly flirting with him and just to get a rise out of him but you know at by the end of the first episode they've kind of both confessed and you know they're just making it work together and you're still you're getting to know the extended family which you know sort of uh moved this kid out of their main house so he could just be isolated and you know do his own thing without actually having to uh, threaten anybody else um but he's there's this surprising amount of um not depression but there's a solemn nature to some of the writing and the reflection that's actually really good. And episode two ends on just one of the most lovely heartful moments. And it's all just a dance. I think for about two to three minutes of the two not touching, but staying like an inch or two apart while slow dancing uh, to a piano piece. And it was one of the most wonderful moments I've seen. And I did not expect it in a series like this. Hmm. Um, and it was because uh, it's all 
you'd think it would be all about the fan service, but it's it, there's these moments of real humanity in there that really make me not drop it. I do not have the fortitude to hold out for something like that. Yeah, <laughs> that but Ink does. Ink is a stronger anime fan than I am. I don't know if that's a muscle I want to flex. <laughs> that's right. Okay, so so we hit the end of the list, and uh, in talking about original anime and not knowing what comes next in Sunny Boy, I remembered that I, I had something I wanted to talk about that I finished. It's not from last season. It's from the season before. Mm. That's right. It's time to talk about the end of everyone's favorite show to get mad oh. at now, Wonder Egg Priority. <laughs> So I'm not going to spoil this because some people might not have watched it yet. I'm not going to assume like I watched it today. So I, I watched it like a month after almost a month after the finale actually came out. Uh, this was infamously delayed, uh, man, like a month and a half or something from when it was supposed to have aired. That show had huge production issues by the end. I felt like they managed to mostly kind of hold on production wise like that i thought the last episode before the hiatus still looked very good but from everything i had yeah. heard they were scrambling to get that done they needed to bring in like you know online animators who they just like knew from twitter and be like okay can you please animate stuff for us we need to get this episode done <laughs> so i think everybody did a good job right there were a lot of talented animators but yeah. the, the producers clearly screwed something up where the scheduling was not working right uh yeah. so Man, the thing is, you would expect if you gave them all that time, I think it was three months. Yeah, because actually it was more than a month and a half. It was like, it was a whole season, right? They, they yeah. gave them an entire season. And I don't know, they somehow still screwed something up here because after all that time. It was the first half. <laughs> yeah, did you watch it? Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. And the first half is just a recap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, we already got a recap episode. Yes, I know. I watched the show. Like it's like a 45 minute thing where half of it's recap. And then the other half, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil the details, but it, it ends by not addressing basically any of the questions that you would have at, as of the, the previous episode, which was building up to like some kind of showdown. It's like, okay, now everything's coming to a head. The we're revealing what the true reasons for these, these girls going into the dream world to, to fight these monsters is and instead it completely swerves poses a bunch of new questions reveals <laughs> things about characters that were like not at all related to the questions that you have coming into the episode and then doesn't really like deliver on any anything about those reveals right like it doesn't take them anywhere because there's not enough time because the reveals are delivered like five or ten minutes before the end of the episode <laughs> like maybe if they had begun this episode at the halfway point and you know not bothered with all the recap maybe they would have had time to weave in stuff but even then it feels like it would have been rushed because the wonderful thing about wonderful uh wonder egg priority was just how slow it yeah. felt and how concentrated it was on each character and how you know those things opened up to other characters and you know this this was just a rushed mess yeah there's also i mean the one of the most conspicuous things about it is is the show for all of its really innovative you know ways of, of telling that story was was kind of formulaic and that you always had a fight mm -hmm. with like one of these monsters every episode, right? It's like a kind of monster of the week, magical girl type thing. In the last episode, and whatever, I'm happy, happy for a little bit of experimentation. But in the last episode, there is no new fight animation whatsoever. 
And it feels to me like that might have actually been, uh, my guess is that came first, as in like the, uh-oh, we can't put any fight animation in. And so it was like, well, what can we do without that? And like, if you can't do that, then you can't resolve what it was building up to at the end of the previous episode, because that would require like a confrontation with the forces that are aligning at the mm-hmm. end of the previous episode. So instead it just goes like, well, let's try to kind of give everybody something that does not actually involve directly confronting anything that's going on in the previous episodes. Yeah. So it basically comes down to like, Oh, time skip. Hey, here's what everyone's doing. Yeah. It's just, it's really sloppy. And it, it also kind of, almost undoes what it seemingly was trying to do in in other ways like because it seems to be trying to set up a sequel or a movie or something it was very confusing because it 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 seems like it's kind of trying to like time skip and do a do a conclusion but then it's like no never mind please give us more anime we we want to do some more stuff with this but the question is like given the reception to this this last episode like would people give them more time and resources to do another series or a movie based on this. I mean, I would watch it. I'm not like mad, but I, I can't imagine. I just think they've lost the goodwill on this. It's such a shame. Cause I, I, I know a lot of people had issues with like the last couple episodes before the finale, but I thought it was still very good. And, you know, I, I had a little bit of concerns about some of the stuff when it started to get into the more like sci-fi lore by the mm. end. But I was still kind of tentatively like, okay, all right, let's see where this goes. This could be interesting. But man, it's just such a shame that like that, that was, that was anime of the year material all the way up until that finale for me. Yeah. If anything gets the ax just for the way it did not land, this would be a prime example. Yeah. Oh, so much of that show is so good. <laughs> it's such a shame. <laughs> Like, and it's an Anaplex show. So when it comes out in the US, it's going to be like $90 per two episodes or whatever. But, uh, you know, if it's, really, if it's released in Europe and if it, if it, it gets uh, the, that last episode is released separately, I'll be more than happy to have like an incomplete season. Because like you mentioned, those those first yeah. oh my 11 God. episodes that, are all awesome. the production. The production on that show is so good. Like it yeah. looks so good, even even with all the insanity behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a good example. Maybe that's a, that is a good place to end because this is a good example about why we have this show not just to uh, not just to tell you about impressions of episode one, but also to recap the previous season. Because yeah, sometimes you get an odd taxi with a, an original anime where it really surprises you and it, it wraps up nicely, and then sometimes you get a, a Wonder Egg priority that starts off incredibly strong and then totally falls on its face at the end. Here, here. Well, that's it for the summer 2021 seasonal sampler episode. Thanks for listening. Once again, I don't have any notes here, so I'm going to do this from memory. But uh, if you would like to email us about this podcast uh, with feedback or questions for next episode, you can email us at podcast at anygamers.com. Just mention seasonal sampler in your email. You can check us out on AnnieGamers.com. We both host podcasts for AnnieGamers. I do the AnnieGamers podcast with David every two weeks, and Inc. does Old Taku No Radio, reviewing a new anime or sometimes other piece of animation every month with Jared. Other stuff, you can find us on the AnnieGamers podcast feed on iTunes, Spotify, 
Google Podcasts and Stitcher and Twitter. We're both on Twitter. I am at sign VAMPTVO. I am at sign Animated Inc. And then there's Animegamers, one word on Twitter as well. So yeah, thanks. Thanks everybody for listening. Hopefully you're enjoying Seasonal Sampler. We'll be back next season. And I forget when exactly it comes out. Is next season Chainsaw Man season? I think it is. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for your unbiased opinion. Oh, man. I mean, look, well, I'm going to be biased because I'm going to be, if it's bad, I'm going to be angry. (laughs) It better be good. It has to be good. We got a lot of emotions riding on Chainsaw Man being good and everybody being a fan of it so that I can be vindicated. Okay, I'm I'm just waiting for the uh, Uwasa Biwa story. That's uh, that will get mm. my totally, totally right, quote unquote a, unbiased opinion. Got a good season coming up. We'll see you all then, and in the meantime, we will see you on our respective podcasts. Bye. Later. Bye.